0: And as, as a Christian, Easter Sunday is really the, the pinnacle of what we believe. We, we love all the other celebrations, but we wouldn't be able to meet together as we do without Easter. And so, happy Easter to you. Uh, last Sunday was Palm Sunday. It was the last time that Jesus would have such a large crowd admonishing Him why He lived. Uh, tide would quickly change over the next week. And we know that that will lead ultimately to his crucifixion, which we celebrate on Good Friday. Um, But I say that it's Good Friday because Easter Sunday comes. And so today we get to celebrate a resurrected Savior. um, And we get to celebrate what he's done for us. And it's an amazing thing. So we're going to have fun doing that this morning. We'll do it first through the word. And then we'll have a time at the very end where we'll take communion together as a church family. And recognition of what Christ paid on the cross. And so it'll be a good time this morning. So I'm glad that you're able to be here with us. If you'll turn with me, we'll be in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, we've been doing a series for the past uh, for the past four or five weeks called Broken Hallelujah. Uh, let me first say, uh, man, the music was great this morning, wasn't it? Yes. Man, it's it's wonderful. Thanks to Dan. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, Dan puts a lot of hard work in here. I see his car at this church a lot. And I know he's prepping, and I appreciate that. I appreciate everything people do. Sunday school teachers. Don't get enough recognition. I appreciate everything you guys do. People that volunteer with the children, uh, as difficult as it could be, I appreciate it. Volunteering with the youth, printing the bulletin, everything that happens at this church is volunteer-based, and I appreciate everything. Um, For the past several weeks, we've been doing a series called Broken Hallelujah. And I know that it's been a very challenging thing for me, Uh, because I can look at my life from time to time and go, it's just not fair, the cards that's been dealt to me, right? Right? all the brokenness that enters into my life, it's just not fair that I have to go through those things. And so uh, we spent several weeks looking at some men who went through some things that really weren't fair to them. Noah was the first man we talked about, and he brought brokenness into his life through his disobedience to God. And it wasn't fair what happened afterwards, but he changed what could have been a a life-altering event into a testimony that we find him in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as a man of faith. Or Abraham, who was so devoted to God that he is the depiction of what we know faith to be. And yet in the middle of him celebrating a son, we find that God throws this wrench in the plan where he is to sacrifice his son. And and, and with all faith, he is willing to do it. And God intervenes in that time. And, And sometimes in our life, things are thrown into our lives and the brokenness that it causes is frustrating. And we go, God, it's not fair. But Abraham, we find him in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as a man standing as the picture of faith. The last guy that I talked about was Jacob, who had just a checkered life, but it all really started at his birth. He was born into a situation that seemingly was unfair. Uh, From the moment he entered this world, he was known as a cheater and a deceiver. And so if you can imagine your whole life being born into a label, he was that, I meet people all the time who goes, you don't understand. I was born with parents that abandoned me. I was born in this situation and these labels that have been placed on my life. But if we see anything from Jacob's story is that the labels were given at birth don't define who we're to be, that God can redeem us even if we're labeled a cheater and a deceiver. And in the brokenness that being born into unfortunate situations bring is sad and it's tragic, and I hate the effects of it. But we find Jacob in Hebrews chapter 11 as a man of faith. As I was planning this series months ago, my whole plan was to end on, uh, end, end on Easter Sunday looking at Jesus' life. If you want to know what a broken hallelujah was meant to look like, look at his whole life. And so we're going to do that. Jesus knows what it's like to be born into an unfortunate situation. He knows what it's like to bring unfortunate brokenness into your life. And he knows what it's like to have brokenness thrown into your life. And the good thing is Easter is this celebration of reconciliation with our Savior that we get to have. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for for the price you paid on the cross. And though we often have this depiction of you bloody on a cross, what we celebrate today is a vacant cross and you conquering death. And so this morning, God, as we enter into a time uh, through your word, Lord, I ask that you would really challenge our hearts. Lord, help us to understand what you want and your purposes for our life. God, whether someone is here today and they say, I was born into brokenness, I brought brokenness into my life, or brokenness seems to have been thrown in my path, Lord, we know that you redeem the broken, and you love the people who need the most love. And so today, God, I ask that you minister to each and every person here, Lord, that your spirit would be real, that your power would be evident to them, but more importantly, God, they would leave here uh, with a greater hope in you. So we ask that you be with us this morning in your anointing flow in Christ's name. Amen. You know, the whole series was based out of Hebrews chapter 11, and there's so many individuals listed in that that thing. It was hard to pick from. Um, But what's beautiful is if you've already turned to Hebrews 12, verse 1, you see that when we flip from this hall of faith as we know it and we go to Hebrews chapter 12, we find this beautiful uh, verses to start us off. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that was all the people we read before, let us also lay aside every weight in uh, in sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and protector of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. This morning I want us to look at how we overcome brokenness based on the founder of our faith. So I want us to look at Easter a little different this morning. We'll go through this whole story of Easter, the crucifixion and resurrection. But I want us to start back a little earlier than that. When we look at crazy lives, we need to look no further than the life of Jesus. And we examine the crazy beginning of that life every single year at Christmas time, right? We look at it, several years ago I was riding down the road and I seen a church sign that, that has never left me. It's always been one that I love. And it's, it simply said at Easter time, it said, Easter, the conclusion of the Christmas story. And I love that sign because the reality is we have such a celebration during Christmas and we neglect that the only reason Christmas exists is so that we can have Easter Right, There would be no Christmas if Easter wasn't the ultimate goal. And so our celebration this morning, as fun as it is to receive presents, should be even greater at Easter because we celebrate Christmas knowing that Easter is around the corner. But I know that it's very difficult to celebrate such a gory death that we read about Jesus. But the reason for Christmas It's for Easter, and so today I I hope that you leave here with the understanding that Easter breathes hope into our life because the very thing that conquers us, death, is now conquered by the one we trust in. Today what we celebrate can change everything about our lives, and I want you to know exactly how important that is. And so Jesus experienced everything that we've talked about with the men leading up to this week. And so I want to go through those through the life of Jesus. As I was saying with Christmas, Jesus was born into what many would consider brokenness. If you can imagine, he's the byproduct of a pregnant, unwed teenage mother, right? And we know how society labels people today. And culturally, we accept things a lot quicker than we did than they did back then, For Jesus to be born in such an unfortunate situation really was him born surrounded by such brokenness. And that wasn't even the worst part of Jesus' birth. We read in the book of Matthew and throughout the Christmas story that what surrounded the birth of Jesus was literally a genocide of babies as the enemy wanted to go ahead and eliminate Jesus Up front, so can you imagine the situation that he's born into, the brokenness that he's born into? People are scared because Herod is a madman; he's murdering babies two years and younger, all males. And and as they're going through this, here's Jesus, a product of an unwed teenage mother. And so, brokenness and being born into it is something that Jesus fully understands and so the enemy knew if he could just kill Jesus up front then he could stop what he knew was going to unfold but he failed and in the middle of hopelessness hope was born and as we've been going through the series many of you have hopefully reflected on the conditions of your life and you probably couldn't even question some of the conditions that you were born into why was I born into the family I was born into Why was I born with that particular illness that I have to now face? Why was I born into this? You were born in the circumstances because God has greatness attached to you. You were born into the family you were born into. You were born with the illness you were born into. You were born into the, the culture, the society, the home. Everything you were born into and the stuff that you think defines your brokenness is actually the things that God wants to define your greatness with. The enemy hoped that the family would be the thing that destroyed you. The enemy hoped that the disease would be the thing that killed you. But what we find is it's the very things that provide you strength. You were born into the circumstances because God has greatness attached to you. Someone out here this morning needs to know this, that you are here for a purpose. I want you to really let that sink in. This morning you're here for a purpose. You were not created as some sort of accident. Even though every situation around you says that your life is an accident, you're not an accident. God crafted you in your mother's womb to the family that you're born into with the disease or illness that's attached to your life and with the circumstances you're born into because that's where He wanted you at. And He put you here for a purpose. Our Heavenly Father placed you today where you are for your glory for his glory your christmas birth came on the hills of the easter resurrection of christ that breeds hope into the brokenness you that you think you're born in that 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 you're the byproducts of a terrible circumstance is not actually how we should define your life that you're actually born into the glory that god has for you that you can shine hope and love in the midst of chaos when we looked at the story of jacob It's really a struggle to understand, at least at the beginning of his life, how God can take a man who was very effeminate, who was known as this mama's boy, who was known as a liar and a deceiver. Everything you depict a man not to be was what Jacob embodied. And yet we find the promise that he was going to be this mighty man of God. And you look at it and go, I don't see how that can unfold. And that happens in people's lives every single day. People are born and they go, I don't know how God can ever use me. I'm too broken. But God can use you. Because you're here for a purpose. And if there's anything that we see illustrated in the life of Jesus, is that no matter the brokenness that you're born into, God can bring glory because He has created you for a purpose. You're not an accident. God wants to use you for something great. Jesus was born into a broken situation. And we call to a Savior who we think doesn't empathize with what we're going through. We're mistaken. He understands what it's like to go through broken births. And He understands what it's like to overcome a broken beginning to have a great finish. You may carry the story of an awful past, but God can resurrect your story. And that's what Easter is. It's when God takes something that the world would deem as hopeless and He resurrects it for His glory. The resurrection of hope and hopelessness is what Easter is about. This morning, if you feel that your story is, is just beyond repair because of what you were born into, I want you to know that the resurrection of your story can begin this morning. The other part of this Broken Hallelujah series is that it was demonstrated through Christ is that we can bring brokenness into our lives. We can bring brokenness into our lives. In Noah's situation, The repercussions of what he brought led to what we still see today as conflict in the Middle East. A lot of the enemies that Israel has was born in the moment when Noah decided to make the decision that he made. And for us, we may still face the repercussions of sin that has really kind of overtaken our life. If you've struggled with an addiction, I will tell you that just because you quit it today doesn't mean there won't be health effects down the road. Just because... You thought that that accident that happened between you and your wife would never happen again doesn't mean that there's not going to be lack of trust in a relationship. All the things that we do in contrary to what God has called us to do there's repercussions for it. But we find that just because we bring brokenness into our story doesn't mean it concludes how our story ends. Noah is still known as a man of mighty faith. And even though you've brought brokenness into your life through some sort of failure or pride, know that God can still make a success story out of you because he's in the business of resurrecting that. Jesus entered into our brokenness because of sin. And possibly my favorite Easter verse it's actually found in Genesis, Genesis 3.15. This says, I will put enemy. I don't even know where that word, why is that word in the Bible? Anyhow, it means that there's going to be a con- conflict between you and the woman. And this is God placing judgment on the serpent, which we know as Satan, in the very beginning of time. He said he's going to put conflict between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise this hill. This verse is the promise of Jesus avenging the sin in our world. This was Jesus bringing brokenness into his life, where he said, one day I'm going to come and I'm going to avenge sin for once and for all, and I'm going to invite your brokenness into my unbroken life, where I can share in the brokenness that you have. It's why we have beautiful pictures of Christ all throughout the gospel, where he invites people to throw their cares and their burdens on him, because he is openly invited us to bring our brokenness to him and, and this is where it all starts in Genesis 3 15 he invites brokenness into his life and it's the promise that Jesus will bring brokenness into his life because he will willingly enter into it and so Genesis 3 15 promises that the seed of Ed, Eve will bruise the head of the serpent and the serpent will bruise the heel of, the, of that seed I don't know why this I love this verse, and I, I quote it a lot and, and use it a lot. But for some reason, last Sunday, um, though no one was even talking about this verse, it really struck a chord with me for something this week. Um, we know that Jesus is the offspring of Adam and Eve because we're all the offspring of Adam and Eve. Um, so what does it mean that Jesus' here will bruise the head of Satan? And vice versa, that Satan's head will bruise his heel. So in Luke 23, we find that Jesus is placed on this hill called the skull right it says and they and when they came to the place called the skull they crucified him and the criminals one on his right and one on his left so we have this picture of jesus hanging on a cross and we see it on this picture here and on each side of him is a criminal And the name of this hill as we would know it in english is called the place of the skull your bible may say galgotha which is the greek word for that and then uh, if your bible says calvary or we say calvary a lot that's the latin word for the skull Basically, you just need to know that where Jesus was crucified, the name of the place was the skull. Golgotha, Calvary, whatever you want to call it, it was the place of the skull. Now they say this because it literally looked like a skull. But it had a double meaning because metaphorically, this hill was also the symbol of death. The skull was the symbol of death. This is where people were taken because their transgressions were punished with death. And so literally, this place looked like a skull, and metaphorically, people were punished here, and death came to them because of their transgressions. Of course, Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The cost of our transgressions is death. The repercussions for the things that we bring into our lives is death. Regardless of anything that you may believe, the wages of sin still remain to be death. And it's why the place that Jesus died was called the skull. Not for his transgressions, but for our transgressions. You know, a bruise is it's just this temp- temporary sign of some symptom that's happened to you, right? If you played baseball growing up and a baseball hit you in the leg, that injury would be illustrated by a bruise on you. It was just a temporary thing, right? It just let people know that something on the inside is hurt and it's showing on the outside, right? That's what a bruise means. And that's medical talk for you who are here this morning. So you already know that. And maybe you see how this ties together. Genesis 3.15 tells us that Jesus will enter our brokenness because sin brought death. Which is what Satan wanted because he did not want to suffer in death alone. How many of you know misery loves company, right? Even with the enemy. So Satan wanted death, and so he didn't want to, I mean, he had brought death into himself. He didn't want to die alone, and so he decides that he's going to deceive mankind, and they too will have to suffer uh, as he will. But Jesus took on our transgressions and paid for them on the cross, bruising the head of the serpent, because now there was an escape plan for sin. A bruise because death was not eradicated. There was a temporary solution for those of us who chose to believe in Christ. A bruise because he was not going to be dead very long, but he would resurrect again in just a few days. Today we serve a Savior who knows exactly what we're going through. That he hung on a cross by his own invitation so that he could conquer the very thing that's conquered us from the beginning of time, which is sin and death. And now there's a bruise on the serpent's head because the thing that he meant to destroy us with, temporarily there's been uh, relief from. That Christ said, no, no, no. If there's a price associated with what it means for me to have communion with them, then I will go and take their place. And in that moment, his foot stepped on the head of the serpent. He said, i got this. But the serpent thought he had won the battle. And so he thought, I won. He's hanging on a cross. And we find it was just a bruise on Jesus' heel because actually he would rise again in just a few days. This morning, our Savior, who we all had the invitation of serving, invited brokenness into his life. But not just any brokenness. He invited your brokenness. And so that if you're sitting here this morning and you go, you don't understand, I was a horrible person and that's why I'm in the shape I'm in. Jesus says, good. I hung on the cross and your transgressions were placed on my back and now I paid the price that you don't have to and you can temporarily escape the sin that seems to flood your life. The beautiful thing is that our brokenness has been transcribed to Jesus and Jesus says, I'll take your brokenness and in place of that you take my righteousness. Because he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. The beautiful thing this morning is if you come here and go, I'm a broken person beyond repair. That Jesus says, you're not beyond repair. I've already repaired you. Just let me have your brokenness and I'll give you my righteousness. Today we serve a Savior who knows exactly what we're going through. He doesn't understand what I'm going through is what we always like to argue. He's never had to raise the kids that I've had with no support. I'm struggling with wanting to go back to my old lifestyle. He doesn't understand that I've I've done too much for anyone to love. We think that Jesus could never understand that. And the, the excuses we give are saying Christ doesn't understand what brokenness is. But in reality, he understands even greater than us what brokenness is. He understands what it's like to not be loved. Because in his deepest, darkest moment, abandoned by all of his friends, he turned to his father And his father had to look away from him because my brokenness was on him. If you don't understand what that's like, that's a beautiful thing. That Jesus said, I'll experience loneliness that no other person will ever have to experience because I want your brokenness. I want that. He invited brokenness into his life. And we fail to see that he entered into our brokenness willingly. Nobody forced Jesus into it. That he brought our brokenness into his life willingly. That he hung on a cross with our transgressions upon his shoulders willingly. That he died for the brokenness that we bring into our lives foolishly willingly. But he rose from the grave three days later and bruised the head of the serpent who whispers the lies into your ear every single day that you're not worth it, that you can't go on any longer. He rose again three days later willingly. Because he wants your brokenness into his life. And I don't know if you've ever looked at something on such a minor scale and you looked at a pet store and you're like, i got to have that. Whatever it costs, I want that dog right there. Imagine it on such a large scale where Jesus looked down from heaven and said, they've done everything they can to rebel against me. We gave them a second chance and they rebelled again. But I want them. Whatever it takes, I want them. You've never experienced true love until you know what it's like to be wanted. And he wants you this morning. And he said, I don't know what it's going to cost, but whatever it takes, I want them in my family. And God said, well, the wages of sin is is death. And Jesus said, "I'll, I'll do it. If it means that I have to be all alone, I'll do it. And if it means that everybody I love will turn their back on me, I'll do it. And if it means that on a Sunday morning in Boniface, Florida, there'll be a group of people that will turn away from my love. I'll still do it because He wants you in His family. He invited your brokenness into His life. And this morning, you don't have to be a broken person anymore. That your brokenness can become a broken hallelujah. Today, the brokenness in your life has been conquered willingly by our Savior. And this morning, the brokenness that has controlled your life for years can be laid at the foot of the cross because it's not brokenness any longer. It's a broken hallelujah. And the final... The final part of this broken Hallelujah series that we see demonstrated through Christ is that sometimes brokenness is just thrown into our lives. For Abraham, it was seemingly the sacrifice of the son that he had waited for for over a hundred years. He thought that was going to be the thing thrown into his life, and God spared him. One of the most gut-wrenching verses in the crucifixion does not have any physical beatings described with it. It's in the garden. When Jesus called out to his father and said, if you can, please take your cup of wrath away from me. I don't want it. Jesus was experiencing emotional pain from something thrown into his life by us. It wasn't anything he had ever done. He was experiencing such emotional pain that he pleaded with his father, if there's another way, I'm willing to do it. And God said, that's it. The wages of sin is death. You have to die in order for that price to be paid. And So he did not deserve death. We did. But he went in our place. And he did not deserve the beatings that he got. We did. But he went in our place. And he didn't deserve the emotional pain and stress of failure that he went through. We did. But he went in our place. And he didn't deserve the cross. We did. But he went in our place. And And the only way we could ever commune with God again was for that price for sin to be paid. So with the brokenness of humanity thrown into his path, Jesus came to us. Born into brokenness, inviting brokenness into his life, brokenness thrown into his his path. All the while the enemy kept believing he was winning. For thousands of years he thought, I'm winning this. And so at the very beginning when he deceived Adam and Eve, he thought, I'm winning this. In the garden, the enemy thought, I'm winning this. I've won. When a genocide of babies was unfolding, the enemy thought, I've won this. When people hated Jesus, he thought, I've won this. But winning was now the outcome. When Jesus hung on the cross, the enemy thought the ultimate victory had taken place. He thought, there it is. I've won. I've killed who many thought couldn't be killed the invincible invaluable Jesus hung on a cross dead but we find that the symbol of victory is not wins and losses it's actually something like one of our kids made in children's church one time the symbol of victory is this right here an empty cross that though the enemy thought, I've won this. Look, he hang, he's hanging on a cross. He's dead. We find that victory is actually defined by an empty cross. It's why we have crosses all over our church. Because it's a reminder that victory looks a little different for those of us who trust in Christ. The winning symbol that we all lean on now. Is a cross. And despite our brokenness, we can cling to what the symbol of a hallelujah is. See, our story is filled with broken hallelujahs. I was born into it. See, it was thrown into my path. I brought it into my life. What we find is Jesus' whole story is this picture of what hallelujah is. Hallelujah is that I can live a life in pursuit of God and obedience. Hallelujah is that though, I, though it looks like the world has defeated me, I can stand victorious at the end. And the greatest symbol of a hallelujah is an empty cross and an empty tomb. Because it's a reminder that the very thing that was meant to control our lives has been conquered by the very one who wants to control our lives. And the beautiful thing we have this Easter morning is that we can surrender to him and our brokenness can become a broken hallelujah. Because the one they thought they broke actually was living out the hallelujah hallelujah story and so now we get to trust in him and now we get to experience victory in him the beautiful thing that we celebrate on easter is a risen savior because it reminds us that we stand victorious in the very end despite our brokenness we can cling to the symbol of what a hallelujah is we can grasp hold of the cross and what was meant to break our savior is our hallelujah i want to close with this story right here dr siemens he tells of a Muslim who became a Christian in Africa. And he said some of, it, some of his friends asked him, why have you become a Christian? And he answered, well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down a road and suddenly the road forked in two directions. And he didn't know which way to go. And there at the fork in the road were two men, one dead, one alive. Which would you ask which way to go? This morning you stand with that decision. You stand at the fork in the road. A life that's been filled with failure or a man who's conquered the very life you're trying to live, who stands victorious, who's conquered death, which will conquer us. It's undefeated. Today you stand at that fork in the road. And today you have a choice in regards to the cross. Keep living in pursuit of death or surrender to the one who conquered death. And it's here to raise you to life. Will you bow your heads with me, God? I thank you this wonderful morning. That you conquered death. That you gave such a beautiful illustration of what it means to live a victorious life. And now this morning, God, as we stand here in brokenness, you've invited our brokenness into your life. So much so that it cost you your life, but you still embraced it. This morning, God, there's people here who are living in that brokenness. God, who live under the excuses of, I was born into brokenness. Or they think there's so much of a failure that they can never be forgiven for their brokenness. or, Or God, they say, I have brokenness thrown into my life and I don't know how to navigate it. God, this morning I pray as we turn to you that you would just begin to work in their lives and help them to see that their brokenness has already been taken with you on the cross. And this morning, the empty cross exists so they can know that they can be victorious. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you that chance. If you're here this morning, you say, I'm tired of living a broken life. I'm tired of brokenness after brokenness after brokenness. I'm tired of failure after failure after failure. The beautiful thing this morning is God has invited you to an empty cross to let you know that your brokenness has been conquered. This morning, I want to invite you forward. There's no greater day than the day we celebrate our risen Savior than to lay your life down at the cross for Him and say, I surrender, take it over, I can't lead it any longer. If that's you, I want to extend the invitation this morning to come up and pray, to seek God, to have an opportunity to know what peace feels like and what it feels like to have a broken hallelujah testimony. If that's you, we'll give you a moment this morning to find your way up front. And I would be happy to pray with you and share with you about our risen Savior.